This is Jonathan Hennessy, author of Apocalypse and the Comic Book Story of Beer, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have one of those guys in the shower peeking through the hole in Porky's, Josh. I refer Revenge of the Nerds. Actually, they had all the cameras and all that stuff set up. Joining him in the hollow dark, staring through the hole, we have Tyler. I'm a creeper. I'm not going to say much. And we have the guy who made the hole and told the other two about the hole, CBS. Hi. Welcome, welcome to the show, guys. I don't, you know, I know I'm not as good as the announcer guy. Normally I have an announcer guy. It's weird that I'm, this is my third one and I feel like the seasoned veteran now. And well, it's it's like, this college brand new. I know he's brand new, so I'm I'm not the rookie anymore. I feel kind of good about it. I don't know how that makes you feel, Tyler. I'm the rookie. It's okay. <laughs> There's actually a comic called the rookie too. I'm also gonna get up and leave in the middle of this, so you're welcome. <laughs> That's a bonus, I guess. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, harding yourself for no reason, buddy. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, like like I said a minute ago, welcome to Top of Comics Podcast. Today we're going to be doing episode number 109. Dang, that's like kind of... Big. That's a lot of episodes. Big numbers. It is a lot of episodes, that's true. That is that is true. What did you say, this is season six? Currently we're in season six, you that's broke, true. You broke it down into seasons? Yes. Well, every year a new season. I figured that was the easiest way to track that nonsense. Ah. So... End of the first year, we came season two, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, we're in the sixth season, so that's six years in case you haven't started at the beginning, which is okay. You know, earlier shows a little rougher. This one's already a little rough, but that's all right. <laughs> ah, the season of this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, this episode. This episode. Not the full season. This particular episode. Oh, my God. Well, we don't have Ross with the dog pile, but we can still do some uh, comic book news. Uh, so today, well, not today, I guess, in comic news stuff, I don't, I don't actually remember when this was announced. So I want to say during WonderCon, they announced Frank Miller is going to be getting a five-project deal with DC, and they've announced the two titles, the first two titles of the five. So Frank Miller's going to be writing them. He's not drawing at least the first two, so I mean, that's a good thing, <sighs> depending how you feel about Frank's work, I guess. Dark Knight, awesome. Dark Knight 2, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Was Anyhow. There, isn't there a third Dark Knight, too? There is, but it was drawn by uh, Adam Kerbert. Uh, so, art's great. Kubert? Kubert, yes. Yes. That's the right way to say it. He also did a book called The Holy Terror, which The Holy Terror was originally supposed to be Batman hunting down and killing Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And DC said, uh, no, because Osama bin Laden wasn't dead yet, and it's kind of an insult to the military that, you know, Batman can go and fix it. And at the time, it was a really big deal. So he put it out himself anyway, changed it from Dark Knight to Holy Terror, and basically just took the ears off Batman. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Fun, fun. That sounds amazing. I want to see that. Uh, surprising enough, I still have a copy in the shop. So if you if you really want to, you can. Yeah. Anyhow, so names of projects. Man, that was a long lead into that. Uh, so he's going to be doing Superman Year One, and this is with... Uh, He's going to be writing, and John Romita Jr. is going to be doing the art. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it depends on how you feel about John Romita Jr. J.R.R., awesome Spider-Man, not mm. such a good Wolverine. 
Everybody just looks square. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that before, yeah. yeah he's... No square face, no triangle face. <laughs> so, well, yeah. That is kind of what I, yeah. He said people do tend to have a Lego-shaped head, but it works really good for Batman, and it works really good for Spider-Man, so... Uh. Like, classic Spider-Man look. I like J.R. just fine. His Superman's not bad, but his Wolverine and his Thor hate him so much. Uh, the second one is Carrie Kelly, and this is going to be with uh, Ben Caldwell as the artist. And Ben Caldwell, if you haven't seen his art before, you should really Google him, because he's awesome. And, like, that kind of explains why they pulled Carrie Kelly out of the Batman and Robin series whenever Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason were using her. Initially, we thought it was all just because Frank Miller was like, don't touch my toys, which is probably the truth, but now he's had to make up for that. So I think that's cool. And then, like I said, the other three haven't been announced yet, so I guess we'll see. What about in July, Lobo has a daughter, and she's going to be joining the Teen Titans. I do think that's going to be cool. Her name is Crush. We don't think we've seen anything of her yet. I mean, there's like teaser art, but in the books, I don't think she showed up yet. So that'll be cool. I mean, new character for the Titans, and if it's a girl, Lobo, that's... And it's not Lobo. That's freaking awesome. And also, Justice League's Hall of Justice will return in the aftermath of Metal. Well, we're going to have a whole... We're going to have a whole mini-series thing happen with Justice League, Scott Snyder's writing. That's a, a four-part called No Justice. And after that, Snyder's actually taking over the Batman or the uh, Justice League title. So if you read Batman for New 52, then you've read his stuff, and it's great. So it'll be interesting to see what that is. I mean, I have thrown rocks at the guy in life before, because certain things he wrote, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Rude. Well, yeah, Sad. part of it's my own fault, though. I... Anyway, we we talked about it on Twitter a little bit. You're on, t- you're on Twitter. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, Top Five Comics Podcast has is, a Twitter. Well, the show show does, but I'm the only one that does anything on it. So okay, so yes, so you still do. Yeah, pretty much. So when it's yeah. something negative, though, it's somebody else. No, I mean this time it was definitely me. Like this time it was yeah, it was definitely me. Like I called him a, <laughs> I called him a fanfic writer. Over his Duke Thomas stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. And I still sort of believe it with Duke Thomas, but the rest of his stuff, great. Duke Thomas, nah, not such a fan of the signal. Uh, anyhow, uh, so other news stuff. They announced a new Dark Crystal miniseries. They're going to be doing a 12 part called the, uh, Dark Crystal, or Beneath the Dark Crystal. This so. Comic series? Yeah. Comic book series. They did one, uh, that just ended maybe like four months ago. No, three months ago. It was just Dark Crystal. So this is going to follow that delivery-wise, but story-wise, I'm not sure if it takes place before or after. I don't know if it's a continuation or not. Uh, The write-ups, I think, said that, but I don't remember. But cool, because it's Dark Crystal, so shenanigans and stuff. That is exciting. Heck yeah. They need to do a... Have they done a Labyrinth sequel in the comics? They actually have a current Labyrinth series running right now, but Labyrinth is taking place prior to the movie. So this is before the Jennifer Connelly stuff. Before David Bowie. No, he's still David Bowie. Still just, David Bowie? Oh, yeah. Same same dude, just younger. Nice. Earlier in the uh, hierarchy of things for the Labyrinth. Uh, issue one of that one came out. Uh, I want to say it's a... I think it's a six-part, I think. Anyway, um, yeah, the first issue of that came out, so if you're in the, the, the Labyrinth, go to your stores and find it. What about that uh, Street Fighter TV series that's coming out? I, I think that's interesting. I don't know enough about it to know if it... 
to know if it matters or not. I mean, Street Fighter, why well, I love it, and I know Rob loves it, and a bunch of other guys in the store think it's awesome. A TV series for it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they tried it with Mortal Kombat, and that turned into a web show, so I watched very little of it. I don't I know. Thought- that show was cool. The personally, the Mortal Kombat. I was into it. I have not seen it, so it's great. It's all on YouTube. It's amazing. Wasn't it called like uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds or right. Or Legend, yeah. maybe. Legacy. Christopher no, I think it's Legacy. Still? I don't. No, <laughs> he's, he's not in it at all. No, well, I'm not into it then. <laughs> no, yeah. it's it's good for something that they just made and it's on YouTube. It's Pretty amazing. Hmm. Maybe part of the whole Red Two or YouTube Red. It was before that, though. It was like yeah, way two or three years ago. Maybe we'll be able to something. continue that, though. Well, it, they already wrapped that whole thing up, so I don't think I find it unlikely they go back to it. But maybe I guess if Street Fighter does well, I guess we could see a company that has actual money to throw at it. Yeah, because like the few clips I saw didn't look bad, considering it was being done by people on YouTube. It's kind of like the whole Power Rangers thing, like that short film that. Whatever that guy's name oh, was that made that with on Beacon. YouTube was amazing, and yeah. then the movie was like okay, but the YouTube thing was way better, way cooler. Yeah, had Katie Sackhoff in it. It was awesome. Yeah, there's a uh, well. They also made an announcement TV stuff. Uh, the Astro City, I guess, is in development to be a TV show. Oh, that'll be cool. So it uh, could be cool. Yeah, I don't know enough about Astro City. It wasn't ever a book I read. Like, I'm aware of it being a thing. It's just like a city of heroes, kind of like. They made a video game about that too, though, but it wasn't the same thing. Called City of he- uh, City of Heroes. Oh, crazy! Yeah, you built your own character, flew around, did stuff. Hmm. I was like okay. the Samaritan. He was cool. And then hmm. he was like the, I think he was the Batman version. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, I don't. I never really read Astro City, so I don't really have a whole lot of. I mean, I saw a lot. The covers were always amazing. I mean, they're always like painted, really awesome covers. But, oh, it was Alex Ross that always did the covers. I think. Yeah, that's cool. It's still going. It's a series, surprisingly, but I don't. Yeah, like I said, I never really read it. So there's a hole in my knowledge of comic book stuff. Astro City, and I got nothing. Although there was a cover that had a corgi like in a Superman costume, kind of, but it was green colored. I thought that was awesome because it was a corgi dog, and they just look so fun. It blew my mind the other day when I asked you about the Savage Dragon series, and uh, you like didn't really know a lot. Like it was, just, yeah. like, it was that's one of your holes, and you're like, and you're, well, I know Savage Dragon is still going, and I know that it's the, one of the only progressive timeline stories because, like, right now the main character isn't even Dragon anymore; it's his son. So, like, one of the very few books that moves in time with the characters, and that's like one of the only ones that does. Because everything else, the characters stay the same age for the most part. I mean, yeah, we grew up Dick Grayson up eventually. We grew up uh, Tim. No, um, I guess we grew up Tim and then we referred to him again. It's like Jason grew up to Red Hood is what I'm talking about there. Well, he died. Well, yeah, and then came back from the dead. So Actually, his return is pretty good, the actual canon one. Anyway, enough about dead Robins. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so they're, they're going to be doing, at, uh, during the Harley Quinn series, we're going to get a old lady Harley start of Sarah stories in issue number 42. And like the first cover looks very Mad Max Fury Road style. Like she's tied to the front of a car even. It's what that's going to be though. I think it's playing off the old man Logan, old man Hawkeye thing. So I guess we'll see what that is. I don't know. Could be cool. Uh, it's going to have, uh, Frank Terry and, uh, 
Marset working on it. So Marset's an awesome artist. Frank Terry, I don't know the name really. I'm sure I've read stuff, but don't know the name. Uh, anyway, there's been talk about a Moon Knight show. Um, Steve, uh, Steve DeKirk, or Denight. Denight? Denight. And it'd be a Netflix, it'd be a Netflix series like Daredevil. And we don't Luke know Kish. that yet. Like, we know that, so Steve DeKirk was the showrunner on Daredevil season one. And then from there he directed some movie, but I don't remember what it was. So he's talked about interest in doing it. But the last time we heard anything about Netflix shows is that we weren't going to get any new superhero characters in the Netflix universe. Like, the ones that are there would stay until whatever. But with Disney making its own, or not Disney, with Marvel making its own streaming service, we don't expect to see anybody new show up in the Disney Marvel world as a main series character. So, I don't know, maybe. Um, it's cool. I mean, he's connected to that world. Steve is. Moon Knight would fit in that world, so I don't know. I think it'd be awesome if it happened. I was like Moon Knight. Heck yeah, I think that'd be great. I think it'd be better to. I think it'd be better to have twelve twelve episodes, twelve hours to explain how Moon Knight's crazy than a two hour movie. All right. Because he's not like the most interesting character. I mean, he's like Marvel's Batman, but he's super crazy. He's crazy different. I mean, multiple personality crazy. He's all possessed by like an Egyptian god and stuff. If that's true. Because he might just be crazy. Anyway, I think that stuff's really cool. I'm sure there's more news from this week, but that's pretty much all I got. I, was there, There's another show thing you were telling me about earlier, Tyler. What was that? Oh, Austin Space. That looks really cool. Heck yeah. I was a big fan of that when I was a kid. Watching the old school one from the 60s, I want to say. Somewhere in there, yeah. I yeah, couldn't tell you what year it came out. pretty old, but... Wasn't there a movie just, like, with Joey from amazing. Friends in it? There was. <clears throat> yeah, that was like 90, yeah. 98. Maybe. I didn't hate that movie, weirdly. Yeah, that was okay, but the show, the show had different for the 60s, yeah. way ahead of its time. So, And it's a Netflix thing. They've been doing pretty good lately. I don't know. It looks solid. Did you did you, did you watch that Alter Carbon show? No, I know what it is, but I haven't watched it yeah, yet. Yeah, it was really good, too. Like it's There's another Netflix one, so... I don't know. They've been hitting out of the park, I think, over there at Netflix with most of the stuff they've been doing. Well, then everybody has to catch up because that Cobra Kai thing, I think, is going to be awesome. Over oh, yeah. No Red. doubt about that. Like, <laughs> that thing should be freaking great. Which we've talked about that on the show before, too. But I think that'll be awesome. Anyway, I should have probably told you guys what books we're doing because I didn't do that before news, and usually we do. Huh. <sighs> failing. That's what you get for, like, having this feeling, dude. It's like... Well, it's not so much that. I don't want to, like, shamelessly promote anything, but... I'll show you shameless. My, my podcast, Cherry, was broken with, uh... Top five comics podcast number one oh seven six one oh six. Yeah, I think so. And like then I did the Black Panther special with CBS as well. But since then, CBS, myself, and Tyler all are over on a new podcast that's a little bit more adult themed. So like if you have kids listen to you, don't let them listen to that one because we get a little bit vulgar and on certain parts. Like it's not horrible, but I just I don't want to be like, oh, you let my kid hear this bad word, but it's called the Never Been Done Podcast, so we're over there, so if you want to check us out. And we talk, we go in a little bit more in-depth on that Cobra Kai stuff, so. Well, we talked about it a little more, but we've, yeah, that's been something I've been talking about for, like, better part of two years. Because it, it needs to be talked about everywhere, because it's going to be so fun. Freaking awesome. Like, the new the trailer for it's great. Super amazing. Daniel LaRusso is the jerk. It's, I'm so into it. And Johnny's going to win. I really hope that, like, um, Mr. Miyagi shows up as, like, a force ghost. That's oh, my sweet. God. 
Is that guy still alive? No. No, he passed away like okay, four, I was four say, years like, ago. Yeah, he's got to be... <laughs> but just as a force ghost, just now. like... Absolutely not. It's ridiculous. Come on, man. I love Mr. Miyagi. Pat Morita is amazing. Rest in peace, sir. What about Hillary Dank or Swank? Is like what if she just shows up. You know what? Away? That'd be weird. <laughs> the next get, right? or <laughs> Special episode with Hillary Swank and uh, Jaden Smith, two of them team. No, yeah, yeah, both. Yeah. Of them. What about? I like it. What about Jackie Chan? He's well, the Force Ghost. Um, yeah. You know, if they're gonna cameo Jaden, then they might as well put Jackie in there too, and then we can just call it trash. No, it's done. the other way around. If they're gonna put Jackie, they might as well put Jaden too. Yes, Jackie true. Chan's way better. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. As much as I know, Tyler loves that that new Jaden Smith like rap album that came out, which is amazing. <laughs> really? Really? Like, it's really it. good. It huh. really is. All right. But yeah, um, him as an actor, maybe not so much. Right. All right, well, let's go over books we're going to do, because um, I should have done that sooner, like I said a minute ago. Uh, so Weapon H, number one, which is from Marvel Comics. We're going to have The Ballad of Sang, which is uh, from Oni Press, and it's also an issue number one. We have Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrow, which is also number one. That's from Dark Horse. And then uh, The Spider King from IDW, also a number one. And we finish with Cape Carson, has a interstellar eye, which is also from, well, it's from DC Comics, and it's also a number one. It's a Vertigo DC, so it's still DC. So more of an indie show this week. I'm liking it. A little different than what we normally do. I like the indie books. I'm all about indie. <laughs> That's what I like. But the one book, you, <laughs> the one book you have read is the one like. Like mainstream book. Well, Tyler showed up to the Whoops. party a little late, and that's not his fault. No, it's just, uh, you know, I saw the cover, and I was like, whoa, who's this dude? Right. So I had to read it. Understandable. So what's going to open up with the Weapon H, number one? Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So uh, this is written by Greg Pak, which uh, if you've read Superman during New 52, you probably read some of his stuff. And the art is by Corey Smith, which if you shop at Top 5 Comics, you should know the art simply because he did the first five, well, he did the five issues of Legend of the Shadow Clan, so the only book we ever got our own store cover of, he's the guy who did the art for it. And he came and visited, right? No, that was Dave Wall, the guy who wrote it. Oh, the writer. Dave, which actually Dave recently got hired over at uh, Blizzard, uh, the video game company, mm-hmm. as like a director or something, so. Was that World of Warcraft? Yeah, that's awesome. World of Warcraft, they did that one, and they did, uh, shoot, um, Diablo. There's a bunch of other games they make, but yeah, he got hired over there, so that should be cool. Anyway, dude's in a lot of the industry, actually. Like, it's really kind of surprising how much stuff Dave's gotten into. Like, he worked for Marvel, he worked for DC, uh, he, he did some stuff for, uh, a company called Blockade Entertainment. Um, they're more of a movie house. Anyway. If you guys ever saw Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank, right. the mm-hmm. movie, yeah, he was connected to that. Anyway, awesome dude. So Weapon H. Weapon H. Okay, so uh, when this opens up, we start out in, uh, we're in Butte, Montana, <laughs> and we join a bunch of dudes outside standing next to a fire pit, and they're all talking about this crazy thing that just happened, and this is all translated, supposed to be translated from Spanish, according to the notation in the comic, and uh, they're talking about how there's this crazy monster running the countryside that's coming their way. And it's half Hulk and half Wolverine, which is freaking crazy. Best idea ever. <laughs> they coin it 
they actually call him in the book, they call him Hulkarine, which is like a, making fun of him, sort of like, you know, Brange, Brad, Bradgelina and stuff like that. Hulkverine. Hulkverine, yep. Anyhow, so these guys are talking about how, oh yeah, he turns back into a person, so he could be any of us, and they all kind of look at each other suspicious. And we join a guy in the back of the pack who happens to be the Hulkarine, just, you know, hiding. And the whole time he's sitting there thinking to himself not to... What does he say? He says, keep your head down. Head down the whole time. Yeah, yeah that's like, what I noticed. Keep your mind, you have to keep the head down, keep keep from anybody from being hurt. And like, like that's just always going through his head to keep himself from freaking out. Anyway, a truck pulls up and it's a dude hiring day laborers, a uh, construction guy. So he winds up being one of the guys pulled into the pulled into the truck and the guy's like, ask him, who are you? Like, what's your name? And he's like, no obligation inglés. And then the guy's like, ah, oh, get in the truck. And so he gets in the back of the truck, and the guys in the truck are like, hey, who are you? And he's like, no habla Spanish. And they're like, ha oh, this guy wants to be left alone, okay. And off they go to do whatever their day work is. And, like, we see some scenes of him, like, getting along with all these guys, and, like, he fits in pretty well. And the day goes by, and eventually they get dropped back off, and that's when they're confronted with a batch of dudes that are there to rob the day laborers. Well, you can only imagine how that goes, because, like, our guy, he's military, and he's not used to being pushed around. So, when these dudes show up basically to rob all these guys that have been working all day in the sun, he has a hard time not getting in the middle of it. And, of course, that leads to, uh, Hulkering out, and, uh, dudes get messed up. Like, it's, yeah, it's bloody. I mean, Wolverine Claws, Hulk body, awesome. Yeah, terrifying. Right? Well, then from there, we get a we get kind of a rundown of his backstory, so they give us, like, oh, well, this is what he did before, and this is who he was before, and this is how he got to where he is. So, like, all that stuff, we get right after that. And as far as the thing, like, I don't know, it's a pretty good write-up page, because it's short, but it gives you, like, the background of him. We find out that he was part of a military group, he turned against his group, because they were trying to kill people, like civilians. So we fast-forward a little farther, and we join him in the woods, and he's trying to cut off his fingerprints in order to try to give himself anonymity. But his hand heals because he's like Wolverine and the Hulk. And this family happens upon him, he's out for vacation and fishing. And we see him, like, freak out and see, like, the death of other family members and other people. And uh, he hikes off into the woods, and, of course, he wants to be left alone because he feels like if he's away from everyone, everyone will be safer. Mm-hmm. From there, we meet a group of scientists that, well, what we believe are scientists... They're basically up there to study this particular archaeological site. And uh, we've got a female lead and then her two assistants. Although, as far as like who's actually in charge, it's kind of hard to tell. Because like, everybody asks her questions. But it seems like she's working for the other guy. So, we want to find out they've been shorted their food supply. Like, the helicopter took off, dropping them off, without leaving their rations. So, she's freaking out. The other two guys are... Uh, well, one of them's freaking out. The other one's kind of like, it'll be fine. Well, our our dude overhears this, and so he winds up killing a deer and leaving it for them so they don't starve to death through this crazy Alaskan winter that's going on. And she sees him in the distance and knows that he left the, the animal for him, and so he basically saves them. Then he continues to trek through the mountains by himself and finds a ranger station, so he calls to get them help. Well, as we rejoin the group, we find out that not all of them are there for the same reasons. And they find this abandoned camp that is supposed to be the archaeological find they're looking for. And it turns out it's a party of people who were trapped up there and then frozen in and eventually ate each other. Well... Like Donner Party style. Yeah, exactly. 
this leads us to finding out that one of our guys there, he's not there for the same reason at all. And he, he pulls out his pack of jerky. He was like, oh, hey, we should celebrate. Let's have some jerky. And of course, that freaks her out, makes her super pissed because they've all been rationing their food. And here he is holding out on everybody. Well, he gives some of the jerky to the other guy with them. And then after he has consumed a fair amount of it, he informs him that it's human flesh. Well, the legend is that if you eat human flesh in that kind of wintry type element in this part of Alaska, you turn into the Wendigo. Which is like a giant Sasquatch Yeti thing. But it's pretty out of control and just kills the hell of everything. So he turns into the Wendigo. And, uh, well, Homegirl decides to start running because she's freaking out. And then uh, the other scientist pulls off half his face and we find out he's a robot. He's not even a person at all. And they're there basically to study and capture the Wendigo and figure out how he uses a weapon. Well, guess who's still there? Well, Weapon H. So uh, that leads to fight. Uh, we'll skip a little bit forward just so that way there's... I mean, there's a couple of really cool catches in the middle here. Like, we get a guest appearance by Doctor Strange. We get some more backstory on him, the Weapon H, and where his family is in the world, and what he has to lose in the world, and why he's decided to make himself separate from everyone. But him turning into the Wendigo, or turning into the Weapon H and fighting Wendigo, well, the robot guy, before he got his head knocked off uploaded images back to the company he works for. So now not only is he being hunted by Weapon X who made him, now he's being hunted by this company as well. And of course they all want him for different reasons, you know, mostly for weaponry. I'm going to leave it there. There's a couple more reveals at the end of the book that are like where we're going to go kind of reveals. So as far as the first issue, like score-wise, I give it on a, on a five scale, I give it a four. The art's great. I love Corey Smith. The story's good. I mean, Greg Pak's a good writer. The idea... I get people are saying right now that maybe he's too overpowered, too OP. But the idea he's a good guy trying to control it, that's where the stem of the rest of the story comes from. I mean, as far as power or ability, yeah, if he's a bad guy, yeah, he'd be way overpowered. Like, man, who could stop him, really? But because he's a good guy trying to control this and not just ruin everything, puts a different spin on it, I think. Anyway, so yeah, I give it a four. Josh, do you have a score for that book? Um, I give it a four to five as well. I was like, my thing with it is like, I felt the art. I thought the art actually changed periodically in it. Like, it seemed like some part of it was the one artist, part of it was a different artist because it gets real weird in certain parts. Like, like they they switch artists halfway through. So, and then they ended on a different artist. Like, I feel like it was like in three parts. So that's what I. I mean, I I might be wrong. It just it, it was weird to me because it seems so drastically different. Um, the idea of that character is really fascinating, especially because they're doing like all this him in the wilderness, him trying to be on his own, like the Wendigo, all that kind of stuff. That's Wolverine and Hulk stuff both, and so that's kind of cool that they're they're bringing that into it, putting it into the, the regular Marvel universe is like going to be weird because like Hulk himself, the the whole like Wolverine is so powerful on his own and then Hulk is so powerful on his own and putting that, that character together into another character. Like he has an adamantium skull or, or skeleton. Like in that one point, one character, like the, one of the people who are trying to shake him down, like shoots him in the head and like, it makes the noise. Like they draw the noise of padang or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, the ball bounces like, off like it balances. He's got an adamantium skeleton. Like, and like if he's going to fight, a massive, crazy, like powerful person like the Hulk. Let's put him against the Hulk. Well, 
The Hulk doesn't have an adamantium skeleton. The, Adam, the, the Hulk doesn't have Wolverine claws. And one of the biggest arguments over the years is like, can adamantium pierce the, the Hulk's skin? Well, it could technically if Wolverine is physically strong enough to push through it. Well, he's cutting, but they've fought before and he has cut the Hulk. Right. But now, like, but now you have a Hulk strength powered person who, or character who, I mean, that's it. Like, that's, that's done and over with. Like, that's, plus he has a healing factor. Well, and if he was a force for evil, it was serving evil, then yes. But at this point, that's not what he is. Right. I mean, and it's just like, like, super, on the DC side, Superman's technically so powerful that, like, he could, he'd do, like, but he's, but since he's a good guy, he has to control it on a regular basis. And, but it's just, we'll, I mean, we'll see where it goes. It could be really, it could be a really interesting. I, I enjoyed it. Like, it's a good book. Like, He's a he's a new character. He's a new person. Like I'm, we'll see where it goes. Like it could be really fun. Sure. Well, as far as the art, like yeah, the the backup pieces, like the flashes where we like the cameo for Strange, a couple of backup pieces which jumps around for the story just like a movie would. A couple of those pieces are done by other artists. So yeah, there's there's different artists on the pages with like the wife that was on the main story. So there there is two artists. The primary artist is Corey Smith. The, the B story is done by a different artists. So it does shift a little bit. Uh, Tyler, do you have a score for that book? I'm going to go four out of five also. But, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That's a good idea. Um, that could be one hell of a movie years and years down the road. If they yeah. really, you know, develop that character. Well, depending how deep they decide to go with him. I mean, as far as appearances, his first appearance was back in, over, in the Totally Awesome Hulk number 22, which is not that long ago, but he's not really that older character. So as far as pieces, this is like the most actual story I think we've gotten for him, really. So as far as the thing, I mean, yeah, fast forward 10 years from now, if he's like the hottest thing in the world, eventually a movie would be freaking awesome. Uh-huh. I mean, him versus Hulkpool is going to kind of be like the <laughs> ultimate end game, I think. Hulkpool? <laughs> That's a thing at one yeah, point. Yeah, there was. There was a Deadpool Hulk for a little bit. But it's not still around, so... And as far as the Hulk fighting him, he had to be set on the wrong path to do that. And being the way we see the guy's character, yeah, let's say he put his family in danger, which I'm sure will happen. And eventually leads to a fight. Is he really going to try to win the fight? I mean, to a certain point he would. But come on, if the, the dude's a good guy, so choice-wise, there'd have to be a huge skew for him to become the villain. Well, it's also like they're they're going to have to, at one point, be... They're just watering down the the Hulk pool, like a separate thing. But like from there, just there's so many Hulks and there's so many things. There's so many this that like it takes away the strength of the Hulk when you have like 15 Hulks. Like it's kind of kind of ridiculous. So I mean, as long as they don't start watering that down, it'll be a good thing. Well, we already have. I mean, as far as Hulks, if you're talking about too right. many Hulks, like there's Red, Red Hulk, Red regular. Hulk. Other Red Hulk. She-Hulk, Red She-Hulk. Yeah. Abomination. Um, yeah. Um, well, Abomination's not quite the same thing. But he's all he's all in the same thing, though. Similar, similar kind of thing, but not the same thing. And then there's the sun, Scar. So, yeah, as far as Hulks, there's already a lot of Hulks. Really. I mean... Too many, but... <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, so you want to move on to Ballad of Sang number one there, Josh? Ballad of Sang, um... This book I, I just kind of saw sitting on the rack, and we decided to, like, oh, we can talk about this book in the podcast. I was like, okay, cool. It's written by Ed Bryson. I don't know. I don't know him. Sure. Um, it's also illustrated by 
Alessandro Maselli. I don't, I also don't know him. Like I'm, I'm kind of out of the Oni loop. I don't know who on Oni press, like I'm not sure who's all on Bard anymore, but, um, well, I wouldn't say they're main, like artist wise, they're not names I recognize. And Oni's so much like image now. It, it doesn't have like a stable of artist writers that just work there. I mean, image sort of does, but even they don't really, the only ones that really have stables of people will be Marvel and DC. And I guess dark horse, because they use the same people over and over again. Whereas Image, there's a whole network of people, and Oni falls in that same thing too. So, I enjoy I enjoy the I enjoy the art. I enjoy the story. Um, it starts out with a a young mute kid who shows up at the doorstep of some, um, what's the Jap- uh the Japanese mafia the yakuza the yakuza like and shows up and some boss and he they're just like oh get out of here kid you're too young to be in this club. And he just like messes people up with the sword, cuts a bunch of people in half, cuts it's very violent, it's very good. Um goes it, in and going up violent, to the boss yeah. and the boss is like, No, 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 like don't I'll do whatever, I'll pay you whatever, I'll give you whatever and he's just like hands him a note and the note's like, You owe so and so this much money and you we're gonna take your pinky and like the kid cuts off the whole, every finger and he brings all of them back and his goes home to his sensei and his sensei's like, Well, that's funny, I can't really bribe all his fingers back. Well, the boss ends up bleeding out because he cuts all his fingers off. So then the boss that they got hired by to go collect the money, go shake down like yeah. to begin with, like is mad because the guy ended up dying. So now they're out $50,000. They kill the sensei slash old man, like who's in charge of this mute kid and like kind of is like adopted dad. And then the, the kid just goes nuts and kills a bunch of people and cuts off the arm of the, the bigger boss steals the arm and goes on the run and like he's like I'll pay anybody any amount of money to get my arm back because I only have basically 24 hours before that thing can't be sewn back on so this kid goes on the run but he's like all messed up because he just fought like a bunch of Yakuza and he's only like a 9 year old kid basically and so it ends with some random stranger picking him up off the street and being like I'll help you kid and then like that's how it ends so it looks like a really fun book like I'm really excited about reading it artwork is uh, quite amazing yeah, it's really, really good. Like, um, when it comes, I'm, I'm a big indie book fan, so it's like, just like random people who get a shot in the industry, and it's like, it's just really good. It's a really cool idea. Like, I'm not sure where they're going to go with it, but I, I'm excited to read the next one, so. Score wise? I gave it a five out of five. Like, I'm really excited about reading it. Oh, man. Like, I, I, I don't get that excited very often when I, it just it seems really cool. It's a cool idea, so. Well, this is kind of up your wheelhouse. It's a kid with a samurai that kind of looks like a skater. So I'll say four so. and a half. I don't want to go too crazy. I'll say four okay. and a half out of five. <laughs> what, all right. Um, you know, score-wise, I give it a three. It, I mean, it's, the art's really great. It's really dynamic. There's not a whole lot. Like, writing-wise, you get through it pretty quick, but it's a pretty good setup for a story. And it's a miniseries. I think it's awesome. I could easily see this thing turn into three or four different miniseries just because the character's interesting I like how they show him use sign language. Like, I thought that was really cool because they, like, have the kid talk to the master by using sign language. And I thought that was really neat. Um, yeah, as far as a chase book, that's basically what it's going to be is a chase book. It was fun. Like, give you a chance to check it out. If you like anime American hybrid art, that's exactly what it is. What's also cool is it's, like, a book that, like, somebody who's not generally into comic books can, like, pick it up. Like, like Tyler's, like, not a comic book reader. He could pick it up and he seemed interested in it. So. Yeah, I was, I was drawn to it immediately. So, well, yeah. As far as the story is concerned, I mean, it's 
it's easy to get into. So, yeah, I, I give it a three. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. I guess we move into the uh, Spider King. So Spider King is another one that I'm going to spotlight because I'm a big indie guy. IDW, um, even though I'm not a big fan of their G.I. Joe and how they messed that all up. But this book's kind of crazy. Like, the art in it, like, weirds me out. I like it, but I'm still weirded out by it. It's written by Josh Van and is illustrated by Simone de Ar- Armini. I know that name from somewhere, and I can't picture where I know that name from. So it's uh, it's about a bunch of barbarians and um, barbarian kings, and one guy dies, and the brother is the is the bad guy. And there's a crazy plot twist, like aliens crash land, and... I, I mean, I can't really give a description of the book like you do on some books, like step-by-step step and page-by-page page of what's going on. It is pretty wild. This is one of those ones I think you just need to generally pick up and buy and read because there's so it's so crazy. But it, it is basically barbarians versus aliens making barbarians more powerful versus it's 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 going to be crazy it's very interesting and it's like a take that i have it, as much as everything across the board has been done this one i don't think has been done before i don't think this way it has i mean yeah the 13th way kind of dealt with like the idea of supernatural weirdness that that movie but not aliens no though. that's yeah. a whole different like thing this this whole thing is a different kind of thing going on and like the, the art is pretty dynamic i mean it's not the same as saying because it's got a different style to it, but as far as like blood and gutty, yeah, there's a lot of death in the book. And it's and I, and I don't by when I say weird, I don't mean bad weird. It's just it's just it's a really unique art style. That's it's really different and it's really good. And it's like the son of a, a massive barbarian king takes over because his dad dies by a sniper like archer, and then it's basically he inherits the throne of the Vikings. And well, they're not Vikings, the together. barbarians. It's not. Well, it's not the same. They they go to Valhalla. So there's a group. There's Vikings and a group. There's barbarians. There's two different groups. Right. Like the leader of the barbarian group, though, is the brother of the original king. So like it's a mixed match of both. So like, you have Vikings on one side, barbarians led by a Viking on the other side, and then this whole alien event happens in the middle of it, which sounds like complete chaos, and it kind of is. I mean, the bloody battle thing is definitely chaos, and it's. I mean, as far as a thing in general, yeah, when we finally do see the aliens, like, they're crazy looking, too. Yeah, like, they're, like... Super crazy looking. And they're, like, going to turn the, the humans into spider people or something, like... At least one of them they talk about turning into a spider, which, what that means... the spider king is where it comes from, because I think he's going to be the spider king, but then... I, yeah, it's 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 kind of wide open. Like, the story is just... They're expecting this to go some, some massive amount of issues, I think. It's not going to just be a miniseries, I don't think. Now, at this point, it's not slated as a mini, but as far as series are concerned, I mean, IEW kind of does a lot of mini-series and ongoing stuff, so it's hard to say. I guess if it does well, chances are we'll see it run forward. But as a thing, like, for a first issue, it's pretty good. Like, the second issue actually dropped this week, and the interiors of it are crazy, too. Like, it's just crazy. Awesome, but crazy. Anyway, you got a score for that book, Rod, Josh? Um... 3.8 out of 5, I think. Can I do points? We have before, and we've given tacos also and burritos, which is the weirdest kind of score in the world. 3.8 tacos out of 5 burritos. That's not how that works. Oh. No. We'll go 3.5. That works. Yeah, what does that even mean? 3 and 3 quarters is what I'm saying. There you go. Okay. Like, it's good. I'm just, I'm worried. My, I, I'm giving the score. 
it's three and a quarter to four and a half, and I give that score based on the fact that like it could very easily go south and be bad and be lame. But if they keep on the same track that I think they are, it could be a really cool book, and it could be the new like I don't know, like Chew or. As Tyler reads it and laughs out loud, <laughs> that's obviously a good sign. But sorry, I just read Thor's thunderous arsehole. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah, hard not to laugh. But just from first glance at this, I I kind of feel like if J.R.R. Tolkien was on massive amount or massive amounts of acid. And also Quentin Tarantino. And maybe, yeah, maybe that too. Like, they're friends and they did a bunch of acid and wrote a movie or a story. This is kind of like what I get out of it. It is pretty good. That's that's a compliment, I would say. (laughs) Uh, Score-wise, yeah, I follow you. Give it three and a half. Score-wise, the art's entertaining. It is a unique style, but it's entertaining and fun. Even though the book is, like, very kind of bloody, it's not... It's not, yeah, I don't know, because like the art's fun, but it, there's a whole lot of blood and guts to it. So like, I'm not exactly sure what to think of that. Kind of, I think it's kind of awesome though. Like, I, I definitely dug it, and the covers are great. So, yeah, I give it three and a half. And the whole aliens, like, once you see the aliens, they're crazy looking. It's awesome. Anyhow, but yeah, as far as like the story, I mean, it's gonna be a story of betrayal and whatnot, but. I think far who who the good guy even is, we don't really know that either. And looking at the the preview for the next book, like actually at the back of this one, there's I think there's two separate ships, so there's two separate kinds of aliens. So it's even more crazy. Right. Oh yeah. As far as like a setup thing is concerned, it's an interesting setup. And then the idea of Vikings and aliens in general is crazy. So awesome. Yeah, I give it three and a half. I, I would say definitely check it out. If you like anything like old school that's not superhero even the sci-fi idea, both those things apply to you. I mean, because it's, you're dealing with... It's kind of like Gru, like, was it that Gru the... I wouldn't say it's like Gru the Wanderer, because the art, the art style is not the same at all. No, but it's kind of like a, an, an adult Gru the Wanderer mixed with Starship Troopers, kind of like weird. <laughs> Get <laughs> out of here, Starship. Come on. <laughs> it is his favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie. It's just the greatest movie of all time. It's different. Yeah. It's different. No, same thing. You put Michael Keaton in that thing, and then it's like game over. <laughs> Ridiculous. Some of it, some of the artwork slightly reminds me of like, and I don't know why, but slightly reminds me of Wizard of Oz for some reason. I don't know. There's huh. something there. Hmm. Fanciful, maybe. I mean, I guess a couple of them do look like the Scarecrow the way their outfits. Yeah, fit maybe maybe it's just that, but because like they're pretty like, pretty intriguing for right? sure. Well, rather than knights in armor for all of them, like half of them are wearing what look to be like sew together. Rag Rag, I see that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. As far as tone. Colors, too, a little bit. Okay, well, that's enough of the uh, Spider King, I guess. Do you have the bell? You have to bail. So Tyler's going to punch out. Say bye, Tyler. Punching out. Bye. Love you guys. <laughs> see you later, buddy. Thanks for sitting in, man. Hugs and kittens. Appreciate it. Okay, so now with Tyler gone, we can move on to something else. The Dang. Doctor Star. Thank God. Just uh-huh. kidding. Wouldn't necessarily say that. He's doing fine. Just other things to take care of in life. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, Dr. Star and the World of Lost Tomorrows. The Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows. Yeah, number one, also Dark Horse Comics. It, um, 
was surprisingly good. When I first saw the cover, I was like, eh. But then I got into it, and before I even get into, uh, like, artist and writer and all that stuff, just flipping through it, the art's really beautiful. Oh, that's Re- awesome. Yeah. Really well done. Um, It is written by um, Jeff Lemire. 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 And it's drawn by Max Fiumara. And it's... um. Yeah, it's it's a really good book. It's really cool. It's uh, part of the Black Hammer world that Dark Horse also did, but I haven't read that, and so I'm not sure. I'm not like up on what what all the characters are and stuff. But even if you're not, I wasn't lost or anything. So yeah, where this book picks up, I don't think you have to know any of that that stuff. I mean, it is a different piece of the same world, but I don't feel like you have to know any of that stuff. He's a uh, like a nerdy scientist kind of guy who taps into the power of a star, basically, and he is able to harness that and joins a group of superheroes during World War II, and they go off to Germany to fight Hitler and his group of super people as well. book takes place during 1941. Uh, is that right, 1941? Yeah, like the beginning of World War II. Yeah, and like he's when he first gets contacted by the government, like he's written these hypotheses about being able to harness the power, but he had to publish them, so the government got hold of him through other means, and so they kept coming to him and told him, well, we're going to fund you, make us a weapon. And up at this point, he'd been a struggling scientist, like, fighting to have money, and, you know, he's got his kid at home, his wife at home, and they're, they don't live in the best kind of, I guess, best kind of situation. But with the funding from the government, he's like, yeah, all of our dreams are going to come true. And he basically just falls into his work completely. And he just, I mean, he gets the power, he gets all those things, and he becomes, and he seems like he has everything he wants, but... Well, ultimately, like, there's a point in there where we see this, like, crazy blackboard where he's building these gauntlets, which is awesome. Like, all oh, the art's great. But he writes how he lost, just lost track of time working and go from, like, two or three days at the office to being, like, weeks, then months. And now, like, it went from his son being a baby to, like, the first, first birthday, and it's, it seems like time he spent at home, I mean, when he says he's been gone for months on, on end, it made it sound like he hadn't literally been home at all in all that time to make this breakthrough. And it makes me wonder, if you f- fast forward to the end of the book, um, before we even necessarily get to that, but it's like when he's working on whatever he's working on to his the gauntlets and being able to harness the power. I wonder if he's in that alternate reality and maybe that's where the time goes and like time doesn't go as fast there. I don't know. I don't think they ever iron that out enough. Like they do say like he knows he's been gone for months, but it's like he just continues to work without any thought of anything but work. So maybe, I mean, it's, I don't feel like that's super clear, but I don't, I didn't read, read that much into that part. I read more into it that because he's so occupied with work, like everything else took a back seat, the wife, the kids, like everything else took the back seat. And by the end of it, like we, like I was saying, the his son, he walks into this hospital to go visit his son, and his son's in hospice in the cancer ward, and he, not, I mean, he has cancer, so you're not sure how old he is initially, but he's definitely an adult, and he's definitely like aged incredibly. So I'm not sure if he's really old, and what what year it is, or or anything like that. So that makes me wonder if, like, when he's working on all this stuff, when he's able to tap into that other reality, if he when he goes there, if time stops or something. That's what made me think that. So maybe, maybe not. It's it, it doesn't really go into that. I guess we'll find out. Well, series wise, it's mini series, and so whatever the next chapter is is going to deal with probably parts of that. I guess like a majority of what we get in this particular issue is about him building the 
the star rod, which basically gave the superpowers. And so the weapon he built for the government wound up being himself. And that eventually aligns him with the Black Hammer team of characters, which are kind of like a Justice League almost. Because I mean, we have a guy that's, well, Justice League and Avengers almost, because we got a guy that's like like kind of a Captain America, then we have a Hawk guy, um, the little, well, the smaller girl-like super character, which I don't think they name her, I can't remember that. And there's two others that are both dressed like, I don't know, not really Batman-y, but kind of Batman-y. And then you've got a guy who clearly resurrected, resurrects from the dead because they talk about him dying multiple times. Right. And they're all trying to decide whether they want to get involved with World War II or stay stateside and deal with problems here. Because the, the rumors are that Hitler's got his own group of superheroes or super-powered people. So they're... All kind of worried that these superpowered people from the stories are stronger than any of they any of them are, and that's when Doctor Star first shows up to their group. He's like, "Yep, we should go fight the Nazis. This is gonna be awesome because it's super fun." Well, yeah, fight Nazis is always fun, right? Um, I guess so. Sure, I've never really done that, but all right. I think you have. I think you. There's more to you than the. Well, it's because I'm Lamont Cranston in my old life. So yeah, there was Nazi fighting, for sure. You know, oh. Shadow Knows. Has nothing to do with this book. Anyhow, art's beautiful. Like, story, I mean, it's a little quick in the first book, and like the way the point of view is written from is really kind of neat. So I'm, I'm interested to see where the rest of it goes, simply because of that. Yeah, I'll probably pick up the second book, just to see where it goes. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, like, every book so far this this week that we that you picked really I didn't pick any of these like the I suggested the one oh about about ballad of saying mm-hmm. that was a lot of hard words to get out of my mouth just now that's weird but um the other ones I just kind of you always just say hey Josh we're doing these books and you have to read them and I said okay <laughs> yeah that's kind of how it works kind of how it works uh, let's go for book Josh hmm i give it about a four. 3.75. Four. I give it a four. Oh, my God. All right. All right. That's fine. The art. The art's really beautiful. I really enjoy the art in this. Oh, yeah. No, the so. book's a good-looking book. Like, as far as the thing in general, I don't feel like the black... I mean, I guess if you read the Black Hammer stuff, then maybe a bigger picture of the world you have already. I don't feel like you needed it. Like, not... At least not for the beginning... My grand maybe issue two and three they'll rely on that because that's something else that Jeff Lemire wrote too. But I don't think I don't think it's going to be required for what's going on in, in this story because I don't really remember the star being in the other stuff. My grand I didn't really read a lot of it, so I don't really remember him being in there. Anyhow, um, score wise, you know, I give it a three and a half. Like it was pretty good. Like the art's great. If it wasn't for like the 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 way the art flows through it, I mean, yeah, it's a dark horse book, so. It's kind of got a Magnolia feel, even though it's not connected at all and doesn't have anything to do with that universe, but just the tone of it is that way. And that might be the colorist, but as far as the thing, I just really like the way it looks and the idea of a 40 superhero I think is awesome. And I've always been a fan of Stargirl over DC, and this has got a similar like idea to it. Granted, not the same, but as a thing. I think that like that's what makes me... If I was to have any issues with the book, is that it was he's such a similar character to Starman or Star Girl or 
Yeah, same idea. Star Girl was a step down from Starman. He was yeah, the, just that that those those characters that those powers. It just kind of a seemed like a, a direct rip off almost. But I mean, well, I wouldn't say rip off. Star Rod, I think, was kind of this. Well, he had the scepter. Sure. The scepter is the same idea. But as far as a thing, like I don't feel like where the power comes from. Yeah, I don't feel like it's the same at all. Not not really. I mean, yeah, a similar implement that anybody with a magic or anything with a powered rod would be the same. Then so all right. Grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok. Rod that melts people. So, magic rod becomes the same thing, then I guess it is, but I don't think so. It's good, though. No, it's good. But oh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good movie, but it's not a Thor movie. If you're an Ultimate Thor, or just Chris Hemsworth in a movie, then sure. Because I'm sure he'd be an awesome dude to hang out with. Not Thor, but, you know, whatever. You don't know who Thor is. You can't say that that's him or not. It's all a matter how he talks, man. It's all a matter how he talks. Anyhow, well, with all that nonsense out of the way, I guess, we'll move on to uh, Kate Carson has a interstellar eye, which is uh, this is issue one from Young Animal, uh, the DC imprint. So this is our DC book for the week. And, uh, this one follows the previous series uh, from the Gerard Way batch of books, the Young Animal stuff. Uh, this is written by uh, John Rivera, and the art is by Michael E. Von Elming. And, like, it doesn't pick up directly after, but the previous series wrapped up with, well, so Cave Carson's, his wife has passed away, and then we basically had her turned into, like, a celestial spiritual entity that's kind of a robot, and she's gone off to the stars, so she's not around anymore, so all intents and purposes, she's dead. This directly follows after that, because there's mentions of her. Uh, But what the book picks up, we're we're joined initially by this, uh, well, it's a giant guy's head, and then we pull back and we see that the guy's head is on a cat's body, and then the guy's body has a cat's head. Which is a little off-putting, but I mean, I don't know, Cave Carson sees crazy things, he lives underground, so... Okay. Uh, from there, we wind up finding out that uh, this this particular entity, this guy, <laughs> cat guy, has a whole bunch of little robots, and he tells them that they need to get the, his lair prepped for their visitors. And so we wind up zooming out, and we see this like giant, like I don't know, almost like it's not medieval, but kind of medieval, like throne room castle kind of place underground, with all these fountains and a whole bunch of little robots running around, dusting things and clean the place up, and then we get the shot of this really kind of crazy water fountain that has a statue of the guy we were just getting orders from in the middle of the statue. And about that time, we hear this crazy burzing noise, and a car crashes through the wall into the fountain and destroys it. And uh, we see who's in the car, and it's Cave Carson, his daughter Chloe, Chloe, and uh, Mark, which last time we heard anything about Mark, he was very dead. And uh, Cave says, oh, you're doing a lot better, Mark, getting used to driving. And Chloe's like, yeah, next time you'll just drive through the mall. And, you know, it's a little chuckle joke thing, whatever. So everybody gets out of the car, and Cave apologizes to the first, like, butler robot about destroying this fountain. And he's told, oh, don't worry, we replace the fountain every every month. So it doesn't matter. And uh, from there, Cave opens a portal for the mole mobile, or the mole... The Mighty Mole is the name of their car that tunnels underground. Anyway, he's got 
an ability to open a pocket dimension that parks the car inside the pocket dimension. So he does that. So it's a pocket car parking spot? Kind of. I mean, it's not... Yeah, I guess. Kind of. So it's like a dimension that just opens up, the car drives it and parks, and then when he wants it back, he just opens it up and out the car will drive. So it's like a... It's a power key car it has. It's like a keychain with hot sauce on it. So you just have hot sauce uh, whenever you want. That's true. Very much so. That's a no, but yes. That's like a really good thing to have. Like if you're live in a big city or something, you're just like never have to do the parking oh, or Uber. Oh yeah, yeah. Or for the parking transportation thing, for sure, it'd be great. Heck yeah! Like the way he uses it to port himself around places, it's like a portable doorway. So awesome. The hot sauce thing. You, I mean, you have like hot sauce. So yeah. Or pocket ranch. I guess you like ranch. Pocket ranch would be awesome. It's like you just have it all the time. You're like, oh. That'd be freaking great. I have this sandwich that I, and I don't have it. Oh, wait a minute. I do have ranch on my keychain. <laughs> yeah, it would always be empty, though. Which is the sad part. <laughs> Anyhow. My, my laugh's all jacked up. I got the coughs. That's what happens. So, well, we want to find out who they're there to meet. And they're there to meet this character named Star Adams, who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Prince. Like the musician Prince, formerly known as... Musician Prince, pretty sure. And uh, well, Chloe, his daughter, said, "Like, I can't believe you named me after the dog, Dad." And he's like, "No, no, no, no. The song's not about a dog." And she's like, "I swear it's about a dog." And she's like, "Why did you ever tell me you knew Star Adams?" He's like, "Well, I tried to." And we get this little flashback of Kay without the beard with the wife, and she's like, "Just talk to her. You guys both love music. She'll totally be able to talk to you about that." And so he like opens her door, and you see a sign on it that says "No Dads." And he's like, hey, Chloe, honey, did you ever listen to Star Adams music? And you see you throw this, like, weird teddy bear thing at him and hisses at him like a vampire in the dark. Stay out of my room, Dad. All pissed off teenage girl style. And we cut back to the real world, and she's like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, there was a sign on the door, which is just, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's, it explains, like, all of high school years for girls. Well, maybe not all of it. My my impression of it? Sure. Anyway, so from there we meet Star Adams, and he is this giant dude draped in, like, weird silk glowing cloth, almost like naked god style. And for us, we're like, oh, this is weird. And Cade walks in, he's like, what the hell, what happened to you, man? Like, what's going on? Like, what, what's happening? He's like, oh, hey, Cave, I've just been watching your podcast. So apparently Cave does a... Video cast or a podcast, which actually there's a backup story at the end of this book, which is part of Cave Carson's podcast, surprisingly enough. Anyway, so he explains to Cave that, you know, things have been changing for him, and as a result, he's been expanding. And then we get a, like, dinner sequence with them all where he asks about Mark being alive, because last time he heard about Mark, he would, he died in, like, a brothel in some crazy country. And that's when we all find out this particular mark is a mark that was rescued from a different reality that was 87% the same as our reality, but is not the same mark. So, I guess Ratcon being dead? Eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, from there, we jump to a flashback where Cave first met Star Adams, and it's earlier in Star's career, before he wore his hair up, and... Uh, he winds up meeting him at a performance, and then they all kind of hang out that evening. So Cave introduces Star to his who's, who, who becomes his wife, Nazra, so the mother of Chloe and Cave's wife. 
and explains to her how she's the queen of an underground uh, civilization. And of course, Star's like, oh, this is really crazy. I'm a super like, icon star guy. Like, Star being a famous person. Anyway, so they he winds up hanging out with basically a drug trip, and we learn that Star Adams actually happens to be from the stars. Like, he himself is an entity. Whether anybody knew that before or not, don't know, because they kind of gloss over that. But, uh, Cave asked Star what he really called him for, and he tells him, well, I'm dying. And, like a star, I've been expanding, and eventually I will collapse internally and destroy everything. So I need your help getting me to space before I fully die. So the whole thing with him turning from a normal-sized person into a giant guy is because he's expanding like the way a star would expand before it explodes. And then implodes with the explosion. So uh, Cave, of course, feels bad about that because he's his friend to die, but it's like, well, yeah, we just gotta get you a rocket to get to space, and so eventually we wind up getting loaded into a space rocket and blasted out into outer space, and uh, we have a whole like conversation between Star and uh, Chloe, and it, it's really pretty cool, like, the the conversation between all of them person-wise, but eventually we get to the inevitable and uh, he passes away, which leads to crazy implosion, and all the junk outside of our atmosphere, like the space trash from debris from space stations and just stuff that's up there, hurtles through and destroys their ship. Um, just before the ship explodes, though, they manage to port away, using the mole portal door thing, into a garage. And from there we see stars turn into something very different. And uh, it's threatening Earth's survival. So the brunt of the story is whatever has happened to Star, what it's caused, is something that will destroy the Earth. Not because he meant to have it happen, but because whatever was inside of him apparently is not of keeping the Earth around. So the overall what the story is going to be is Cave Carson trying to save the Earth. There's a few other like pieces in the middle that are like catches to the story that, of course, I left out because that's what we do. But yeah, overall, if you like the first Cave Carson run, you'll like this one. It's connected to the, all that Gerard Way concept stuff, so it is kind of crazy. And it is a little out there, but you know, it's pretty much science fiction. Uh, as far as the score, I mean, I give it a two and a half. I mean, art, it's Michael Elon Oming. I can take him or leave him, depending on what he's working on, determines whether I like it or not. Um, as far as the story, the story is interesting. I mean, it's entertaining. I guess we'll see where it goes. Cape Crushing is a character, I think, is a neat idea, but like I said the first time I reviewed one of the books about him, like, he's a character from the early 60s, and, like, any history for him, I don't really have a place for, really. As far as fitting the new world, I mean, I don't know, all the stuff they have as I do is super crazy. He's almost Indiana Jones-like, so, like, I really dig that. But then with him and the daughters, I mean, it's interesting enough. Whether she has extra powers or not, we've seen her do some crazy stuff, but it's hard to say, like, whether she has abilities from her mom or from her dad or what. The backup in here, though, the whole podcast thing, like, kind of a cool little story. Apparently that thing's going to continue, too, so I imagine by the time we get to the end of it, we'll probably have, like, one full podcast issue just built out of the three backup pages at the end of the stories. One dealing with a boyfriend that basically turned Chloe over to a group of uh, cultists, and we wrap that up in the backup in the podcast, because during the podcast they get emailed questions, or questions mailed into the group, and like, Chloe reads, reads her dad one, and dad reads Chloe one, and so it explained different pieces that weren't answered before, 
I think got left off the page either because they expected to go farther as a rather than making a miniseries, which is what they're doing now with the little young animals. They're doing like Dark Horse does with Hellboy, where you get six issues, it's one arc, six issues, one arc. Seems to be the way they're going to go now. With that in mind, I think initially they probably expected to have another arc for the first batch of books rather than making them the six-part miniseries style. Anyhow, so yeah, two and a half, I think that's what I said, right? Two and a half? Okay, that'll do. Uh, Josh, what do you know about Kay Carson? Um, I, I'm going to agree with you on the two and a half, but it seems it's... My issue with it is that it's... As much as I love Gerard Way and a lot of the things that he's done... I think that sometimes, I mean, just because it's his imprint, it's like, let's be weird just for the sake of being weird. Sure, I can see that, yeah. And it's like, sometimes, if you just go off good storytelling, it'll be that'll be okay. You don't have to be weird just to be friggin' weird. And I think that that's kind of, that imprint's like, oh, I'm Gerard Way, I'm just gonna just go way out there. And it's just like, we already have one Grant Morrison, we don't need another one. But he really likes Grant Morrison. Hmm. I'm just saying. He put him in those music videos. He's the bad guy. If you guys didn't know that, the oh, I know. Well, he, Kill the end, Romance videos, yeah. At the end of a... Uh, Real Life Adventures of the Fabulous Killjoys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know that, now you know. I already said that once on this show, so... G.I. Yeah. Joe. I wasn't there on that episode, so... No, it was this episode. It was earlier. It was earlier. Oh. Yeah. I thought you meant about the Grant Morrison thing. No, 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 no. That was... No. Then always have the battle thing. Gosh, oh, man. Yeah. Focus. Well, he is half the battle. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> See, so I got to do it three times now. It's a good time. <laughs> that's fun. Anyway, okay, so as far as show's concerned, I guess that's it for books. Um, well, uh, Josh, what did you learn today? I learned that I'm out of shape, and I need to start running wind sprints and carrying logs and hiking mountains like Rocky and Rocky Four before I fight the Russians next week because, like, man, I'm struggling. That seems to be like a real world thing, so. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. Hmm. I learned that when given the opportunity, you'll pick actually good books that I enjoy to read and review. That's a real world thing, too. Dang it. Ah. I, I pick whatever I like, and I don't necessarily pick for your benefit. I think sometimes you do. No, not at all. Absolutely not. I think sometimes you do. No. I'd like to think you do. You're my friend enough to know, like, I think Josh might like this about a nine-year-old kid cutting people in half. Yeah, yeah but that's because you're a kid at heart, and you'd like to cut people in half if you could do it. I mean, if I was a nine-year-old with a samurai sword, you f- heck yeah. <laughs> okay, so what did I learn today, Josh? That Tyler really likes to laugh at Thor's thunderous arsehole. Well, that's true. <laughs> Every time he reads it, apparently. Can't help. <laughs> like, man... Okay, um, so let's see. Uh, do you have any books to watch, Josh? Still looking forward to uh, action number 1,000. Yeah, it should be end of this of this current month, yeah, yeah, end of April. Real excited for that. Should be freaking awesome. We're real into the new Infinity stuff that's coming out. Kind of curious where that's going to go. Oh, yeah. They got this whole uh, gym launch, the Infinity, uh, Infinity Chase? No, Infinity, gosh, I don't remember what it's called. Infinity's Countdown, there you go. Infinity Countdown. Yeah, it's been good so far. Like, the couple issues that are out are awesome. And then, uh, weirdly, the Green... Not weirdly, because Green Lantern's actually been really good for several years now, but um, Green Lantern are up against um, Zod right now. Oh, in the Hal Jordan Green Lantern series? Yeah, like, I'm kind of curious where that's going to go. So, that looks pretty good as well. Cool. Um, We'll see books I would tell you to watch. Uh, Thanos... 
Uh, if you can get a whole issue 13, like it's jumping price wise because the whole, uh, intergalactic ghost rider, oh no, the ghost rider, what they call him. Uh, I can't remember what they called him in the book. Anyway, issue 13 of Thanos is one to try to chase at this point. Uh, the current, the series itself has been awesome. Like the newest issue, which I think is issue 18, crazy stuff with the surfer and Hulk and two Thanoses and it's just freaking crazy. Uh, I'd say, uh, Black Science, of course. Deadly Class, also. Great books, Rick Remender. Um, super excited for his whole, uh, I, I mentioned this last, like, three shows. So, uh, Death or Glory, I think, will be freaking great. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a bunch of other books that are coming out that we saw from the Image Expo, but I feel like we talked about most of them last week, so there hasn't been a whole lot of updates from that, but as far as other things to look for, as far as books to chase, um, we're getting ready to have Justice League No, S- no Justice, the miniseries from Scott Snyder, and that should be great. Uh, next week, Batman Metal 6 comes out, and that'll be awesome. And then we have the next chapter of Doomsday Clock next week also, so both those will be great, depending when you hear this. So I guess if those have already come out, well, uh, hopefully, behind you ha- and catch up. hopefully you have them. But I'd say all those good books, stuff to be stuff to be cool to, to get a hold of and read. Um, I think that's it. The Power Rangers book, too. The, oh, yeah. The, the Tommy is all evil and stuff. They're getting ready to do, well, the, the prelude to the crossover has already started, but yeah, they're getting they're doing the um, Power Rangers Shattered Grid, which is supposed to be running all the different groups together in the comic books, and it's crossing over between Mighty Morphin and Go-Go Power Rangers, both. But yeah, as far as the thing, I, it, there's totally the idea that we're going to get to see all the different groups. So, I think that'll be freaking awesome. That should be pretty cool, too. Anything else, Josh? That's it, man. Don't mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Tiki, that's how the show ends. Tiki. Don't die. Tiki. Hugs and kittens. That's oh, not the same, although that is funny. Wakazada Nanda. You're going to have to watch Kamen Rider. I, gotta fix I don't you. have to do anything. Yes, you do. I'm not going to watch that. I'm going to make you watch it. You're going to enjoy it. Because everybody does. It's been a short game. Here's a story.